You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on a game day for the Pelicans, game two of their Western Conference second round playoff series with the Golden State Warriors. We talked yesterday about how game one didn't go too well, but today we're talking adjustments and maybe what the Pelicans can do to try and get over this hump and steal a game on the road against Golden State here, come back with the series tied 1-1, and maybe be able to take advantage and potentially advance out of this second round and into the Western Conference Finals. So we'll cover all that and a little bit more today. I want to talk about some things Alvin Gentry said yesterday that Regardless of what you feel about him as a coach, and, you know, I think most people go back and forth just depending on if the team's winning or not, should make you feel pretty good about him as a person. So we'll look at at all of that as well today. So talking about Gentry previewing the game, let's get to everything. So I actually want to start with some things that Alvin Gentry said, and this is from an interview over at Pelicans.com with the Pelicans beat reporter Jim Eichenhofer. Jim, getting a nice shout out there in the Ringer article as well. And here's the question from Pelicans.com. Regardless of one's opinion either way, the booze of you just seemed like a negative tone to start the night at home games. Why did they make the decision to simply stop announcing your name prior to tip-off? And then Gentry's response. I told them to stop doing it, I'll be honest with you, because I thought it was just this cloud hanging over the team, and I didn't want that cloud hanging over the team. But for me to go back now because we've had some success and say, quote, now you can announce my name, end quote, even though it's, yeah, anyway, I don't believe in that either. It's fine. To me, it's a very minimal thing that should have very little to do with anything. So fans booing, he thought, just set off a, a negative tone and start to the night on home games. And Alvin Gentry asked the team to stop announcing his name during the regular season. And you would think after doing that, and now that everyone loves him, and look at the the opinion poll Scott Kushner puts out on Twitter from earlier in the season compared to now, where it's, do you approve of the job Alvin Gentry is doing, where it was 80% saying no, and now it's overwhelmingly like 90-something percent saying yes, obviously. Um, you know, he, he doesn't even then, when you look at that, want to go rub it in people's faces or kind of take his moment to brag about himself or anything like that. He just doesn't care. He wants to go and coach basketball, and it's as simple as that. That. And you look at some of the things he said regarding, you know, my good friend here, Fletcher Mackle, a guy who's been on the podcast and who has his show over at WDSU, which brings me on a lot to talk about Pelicans and get good Pelicans content out there. I would hope if you guys like me in the podcast, you think it's good when it's on TV. And he said, Gentry basically says it's what fans do when they win, when you win, they love you when you lose. They don't. I don't have anything negative to say about them or the media in any situation. He goes, it's an opinion. Everyone is entitled to that. I'm still not going to treat someone badly just because they have a different uh, opinion of what I perceive myself to be. And I said this on Twitter yesterday. In basically a, a sport and world filled with uh, ego, and to see Alvin Gentry without one is truly inspiring. It's pretty impressive who just he just wants to go out and coach and do his own thing and does not care whatsoever what people's perception of him are 
or is or anything like that. He doesn't want to take the moment of being maybe the most popular guy in New Orleans right now to rub it in people's faces and being like, I told you all, I'm a good coach and this is I know what I'm doing. Doesn't care. Just is going to go out and do his job. And I think he definitely understands that being a head coach in any league or even a professional athlete or anyone that's in a highly visible profession or situation where you're getting paid a lot, that you're going to take flack from people you don't know and people are just going to automatically dislike you. Help. I get people regularly telling me I should quit the podcast because they don't like it. It's fine. I don't care and I move on and it's no big deal and it doesn't affect anything. And frankly, I'm not going to quit and it's not going to make me quit and they can't make me quit. Same thing that Alvin Gentry is taking here to be without ego like that is truly, and I said it's not inspiring, but I think it's a remarkable thing in today's society. And regardless of what you think about Alvin Gentry as, as a head coach, and I've been very critical of him at times, it's you can't really have anything to criticize about him as a person, as a man, as a human, because this is a guy who seems to really, really get it here and doesn't mind that fans are fans and they're going to be upset about things. I have no problem with fans wanting to boo anyone or anything. You guys pay for the tickets. You can go out and do it. Do not care whatsoever, as long as you're just not taking personal shots at things. You want people fired. That's a fan's right. This is kind of what it goes. And I think most professional athletes know this, and I think head coach Alvin Gentry knows this. But again, to see him say it like that, and you clearly see that he truly feels this way. It's not an act or anything like that. To just say, don't even bother announcing me again. I don't need this. It's fine. It has nothing to do with anything. Again, it's just truly remarkable. And if nothing else, that should make you feel very good about him as the head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. It is the playoffs. There's a lot going on. Don't forget, Locked On NBA is five days a week, and I'm on there every Wednesday co-hosting with John Corrales of Locked On Celtics, where we have a lot of fun. Recap the action from the night before, preview the upcoming games, and talk about the biggest stories going on around the NBA. So make sure you tune in to Locked On NBA Daily. All right, game two. What do the Pelicans need to do, or what might you expect this team to do to try and get a victory in tonight's game, 9.30 tip-off on the West Coast, the late game. There's a lot the Pelicans could try and do. As we talked about yesterday, there wasn't a whole lot that went well, particularly in that second quarter for New Orleans. One of the first things after re-watching the game film, though, is... Man, they need to get some easy offense going. When you have Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday combined for just 33 points, that's not going to work whatsoever. And one of the big things that jumps out is really how Holiday could not get started in this game at all. And a lot of that had to do with him driving into the paint and being corralled by Kevin Durant on switches. When you run that Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday pick and roll, and you've got Draymond Green or Kevin Durant guarding one of those two, or sometimes guarding both of them, where you've got Draymond on Davis and you've got Durant on Holiday, which is something the Warriors did a lot of, it's going to be a problem because when you drive and they switch, you're still running into length. And those guys are so quick too. It's not like a traditional big where Holiday can get by them and get to the rim. So finding a way for Holiday to get some space in the paint is going to be critical for New Orleans. You saw when he drove, that length and that speed slowed him down, which allowed a help defender to rotate over. And all of a sudden, Holiday was trapped right before the restricted area in the paint. You saw a lot of his shots come in the paint outside of the restricted area. And you're not going to shoot over the length of those two guys or really anyone on this Golden State team when you're one of the shortest guys on the court, unfortunately, in this matchup. Sometimes 
as you know, you guys know, you just run into bad matchups. This is one of them for the Pelicans. So, you know, no matter what happens in this series, keep that in mind. There's, you know, very little way they were going to be able to win. And that's why I picked, you know, Warriors in five. And even then, that might have been overdoing it potentially. So he hits the lane and all of a sudden he's trapped by two guys with a lot of length and, you know, four incredibly long arms. And you can't exactly pass out of that. And you saw some turnovers happen from that. And the Pels had to reset their offense. And all of a sudden you're getting late in the shot clock. And that's not what this New Orleans team wants to do whatsoever so it's a bit of a disaster for them you've got to run uh holiday either through some off ball things maybe some backdoor cuts to get him points in the paint or have him kind of initiate in a different way maybe with a different screen setter if you have more set those screens for him um or solomon hill maybe a guy like rondo even where they're just kind of playing off of him and hiding their worst defender on there have him just a body in the way that he can come off of and maybe they try and switch but all of a sudden you've got their worst defender on holiday and that's what the pelicans want or at least he can keep his original man if it's clay thompson or steph curry guarding him that way on him if they don't switch and they fight through the rondo screen and all of a sudden then at least he doesn't have a big on him i think that's going to be one of the key things here is keeping length off of drew holiday he's six foot four we saw lineups where you know the entire warriors backcourt and frontcourt were taller than that that's not going to be able to, you know, easy for the Pelicans to overcome here. So getting that is going to definitely be a big thing. Also offensively, I think you might need to see some lineup changes. Maybe not in the starting lineup because that starting five with Rondo out there is very effective. But the problem is when you start to mix in subs and some of the bench units here, Rondo becomes a big liability with his lack of shooting. And when you put him out there on the court with Hill, you've got two guys that can't shoot and that the Warriors are just playing off of. If you watch how much Draymond Green just kind of floated around playing center field for the Warriors in game one, which created huge issues for the Pels, you saw Holiday and Davis get triple team down low at times because of that you've got to know you've got to get more shooters out there to keep them a little bit honest and prevent that you're not going to get into the paint you're not going to get quality looks at the rim if that's going on so maybe that means rondo comes out of the game earlier and runs the second unit with some more shooters uh, as you stagger these lineups maybe a little bit more that you would have wanted to do maybe miller comes in a little bit sooner or Ian Clark comes in sooner than what you were running because you need to have shooters on this squad and on the court to space the Warriors out. That maybe opens up some backdoor cuts for you to maybe get Holiday going in that method too. Whatever it takes really and I think you'll see the Pelicans do this. They've said they've watched a lot of game film so far from just game one on how to try and beat this team and where they were exposed and where they can maybe expose the Golden State Warriors. You know it's not easy to do but I think you saw Ron out there with the Warriors just daring him to shoot alongside Solomon Hill just murdered the Pels. There's only three guys you really need to key in there. And as we were talking about in the first round series against the Portland Trailblazers, if Evan Turner and those guys beat you and Alpharu Aminu beats you, you just shrug your shoulders, say, okay, move on because you're not expecting them to be able to do that again. So I think that's kind of what the Warriors are doing. They'll drop a game if that's what it takes because these other guys were beating them because those guys aren't shooters. If all of a sudden Hill scores 40 and an and Rajon Rondo scores 30, they're going to shrug and just be like, yeah, that's not going to happen the next game. Good luck. You got one. You're not going to get the rest of them. And so you've got to find lineup combinations that have still potent offense out there while you keep going so that they can't just sag off you and take away the paint and dare those guys to beat you. You know, or those guys need to make their shots. I think probably finding better lineup choices is the smarter move. But hey, maybe the Pelicans can defy the odds with it here. But there were definite lineups out there that were liabilities for the Pelicans on the offensive end.
And then finally on the offensive end, you have to attack the mismatches when they present themselves. And Zach Lowe was tweeting about this yesterday, and it's like the most obvious thing in the world that when Nick Young's at the on the court, you've got to go after him. Same thing for Quinn Cook. You've got to go after that guy. And the Pelicans did not do that nearly enough in game one. And that's where you've got to get the right lineup combination out there, and then you've got to get one of those guys switched onto the big that you want or to Drew Holiday and let them go to work into town. And maybe you can create some good offense that way and force Golden State to play with a shorter rotation, maybe tire some of those guys out in this upscale, uh, fast-paced game, particularly Curry, who's going to be coming back after five or six weeks up from playing no basketball. I think that's going to be a big thing here. You've got to take advantage of those mismatches when you can, and they're not going to present themselves very often. And New Orleans did not do a good job of that in Game 1. They went right at the strengths of the Golden State Warriors, and that's, again, not the way to beat them. So before we get into what the Pelicans need to do defensively, and there is a lot in this one, go check out LockedOnPelicans.com. Alex Ferrari has a post up there right now for three reasons, some of which we're touching in here, not all of them though, on why Game 2 is going to go differently for the Pelicans. Make sure you give it a read before tonight's game. Defensively, the Pels have a lot of work to do in this one, particularly with Steph Curry coming back. And that just spreads the court even more like what Golden State did in Game 1 where they started Nick Young and Iguodala in there. And they had a lot of shooting out on the court to space the Pelicans out, which led to all of those backdoor cuts because all of a sudden you've got a number of guys on the perimeter. They're all darting around. It's easy to lose track of someone, figure out where you need to be. And it created a huge problem there for the Pelicans. And you need to somehow eliminate this. The biggest thing, and I talked about this on on WWL radio last night, and I'll probably be making an appearance on there before tonight's game as well if you need another quick refresher right uh, before tip-off, is that you've got to get Anthony Davis at the rim. Golden State does a good job of being on, playing on the perimeter, and their shooting is so good that you need to be on the perimeter, though that it t- takes him out of that, and he's most efficient defending against the rim, blocking shots, just doing rim protection and playing that style of basketball. And when he's not there, much less effective. And Golden State knows this. They pulled him out of the paint, and they they sent cutters all around. I think it was 26 points off cuts in game one, something like that. And basically, there was no resistance at the rim. If all of a sudden Anthony Davis is back there defending the rim, and you try and cut, get the ball, you're not going to score over him, and you're going to likely miss that, and then the Pels can get out and run in transition. You've got to find a way to get Anthony Davis back at the basket, under the basket, under the rim, to just kind of deter shots there. I don't know exactly how they need to go about doing that. That's kind of the issue. It might mean that when they do have a non-shooter out on the court, you just leave that dude open. That's AD's kind of assignment, and you let him just hang out below the rim. And if that guy starts making shots, that guy starts making shots, and you're not exactly worried about it. You know, shy off Looney when he's on the perimeter, McGee when he's on the perimeter, anything like that, and make those guys beat you by taking long jumpers, different things. I think that might be the way to go, and the Pelicans can keep Davis kind of below, and at le- or at least able to rotate over a lot quicker to take away those easy lanes and cuts because that absolutely killed New Orleans in game one. I think you'll also see better matchups one-on-one for the Pelicans than what they did in game one. You had Drew Holiday guarding multiple guys uh, for separate possessions in one-on-one situations, not on switches. You saw him guarding Durant. You saw him guarding Draymond Green. I think it's probably better suited to starting him on Klay Thompson. As we said in the previews for this series, he can handle that there. Curry's going to get his, but if you can limit Thompson, who is the leading scorer in game one, don't forget, I think that goes a long way. He can keep up with him um, in terms of lateral quick 
quickness. If he starts to cut to the rim, Holiday's got long arms and can kind of maybe swat the ball away or take away those entry passes, and I think that would be a good thing. Then you've got to find out a way to guard Durant. And I talked with this uh, about this on WWL last night with Seth Dunlap. No one in the league can effectively guard Durant. And at seven foot in his range, he can get his jumper over anybody. But when you have Drew Holiday at six foot four guarding him, it's almost no resistance right now unless he's trying to post you up and play that isolation style of ball, which he was not trying to do in game one. And it created a lot of mismatches and a lot of problems. You can just straight up shoot over him or pass over the top of Drew Holiday's head. It's a disaster right there. I think you're going to see Miritich and Davis get more on uh, Durant in this game. If they can play some sound one-on-one defense or at least force the ball out of his hands and you've got Holiday clamping down on Clay Thompson, well, you know, at least that's a little bit better than all five guys running kind of rampant and going all over the place and doing everything that you don't want them to do. So I think that'll go a long way towards securing a victory in game two for the Pelicans as well. But you just got to kind of slow down this Golden State attack. The other thing might be to slow the pace down a little bit because we saw in that first quarter of 35 to 34, when you're all running back and forth like this and you're switching on everything in transition, you can get a little bit confused and it can be a little bit more difficult. So I think that's kind of going to be one of the things you'll see. You don't want to play right into the style of basketball that the Golden State Warriors want. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Enjoy game two tonight. And of course, as always, I'll be back with you all tomorrow to recap the game. I'll also be on Locked On NBA recapping everything going on around the association. So make sure you listen to that tomorrow as well. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow.